And welcome to the Locked On Islanders Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. All right, everyone, welcome to the Thursday edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast. Great to be with you. Hope everyone is safe and well. A frustrating loss for the Islanders in Game 3 of their series against the Florida Panthers. 3-2 to two, the final score. Islanders still have a 2-1 to one lead in the series, but you know, there are a lot of things that need to be discussed When you look at Game 3 and a lot of the things the Islanders did so well in Game 1 and did well enough in Game 2 to win, they did not do well enough in Game 3. We will talk about what happened and why the Islanders came up short on today's show. Also now, Game 4 of this series scheduled for Friday, and we still don't know the exact time, although we'll let you know that as soon as we do, and we'll keep you up to date on via Twitter as well, but again, game four upcoming, and the Islanders will have to get, you know, they'll have their second of what will eventually be three chances uh, to close out this series and move on to the next round. So Islanders still up two to one, but not exactly a, a grade A performance by the Islanders in this one. Um, If you have a question, a topic, something that's on your mind that's Islanders-related, feel free to send us an email. The email address is LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com. And if you leave us your name and where you're from, we're happy to mention you on the air when we talk about whatever it is that's on your mind. You could also follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnIsles is the Twitter handle. And you can follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter, my Twitter handle is at Ice Wars NYRVSNYI, and we'll keep you up to date with all the latest news and notes about the New York Islanders. All right, well, this game, uh, game three of this series, really, I think, by far the Islanders' least good performance of the three games in this series. And, you know, I was a little surprised by a few things before we get started and less surprised by others. Was not at all surprised that with Johnny Boychuk still out of the lineup because of his uh, suspected concussion, but let's certainly say his head injury after the uh, blow by Matheson in Game 1, that Andy Green again was the Islanders' choice to fill in on defense. Talked about that on yesterday's show, and by far, the 
fact that Green is experienced and has seen it all, been to the playoffs a number of times, probably a little bit more reliable in his own zone at this point in his career than Noah Dobson is, that certainly was a reason that I wasn't surprised that Green got the call. And Green was out there for a little more than 16 minutes of ice time and, you know, again, gave the Islanders what you expect from him. I was a little bit more surprised that Simeon Varlamov got the third straight start, that they did not turn to Tomas Grice for Game 3. And look, you know, Varlamov did a solid job in goal. I can't say that any of these goals that he gave up were particularly soft goals or, or, or goals where I had to say, hey, get that guy out of the net, he's not doing the job. No, that wasn't really the case at all if you're the New York Islanders. And Varlamov played well enough to win the game. Now, he didn't play outstanding. He wasn't uh, the difference maker. But there were a number of times when Varlamov and the Islanders, you know, could have been out of this game, could have, you know, fallen behind even further and, you know, didn't because Varlamov made a save. But, you know, the Islanders only allowed 22 shots on goal. In fact, each team in Game 3 had only 22 shots on goal. But the big difference, and we talked about this especially in Game 1, in Game 1, the Islanders really limited the quality chances that the Florida Panthers had in the game. And in Game 3, there were a lot more dangerous opportunities that the Panthers had, and that is one of the reasons that we saw the you know, three goals on just 22 shots, so only an 864 save percentage for Simeon Varlamov. And the other way that you look at this, in both games one and game two, the Islanders were a lot more aggressive for all of game one and for the latter part of game two especially. The Islanders carried the play dictated the pace, dictated the style of hockey that they wanted to play. And that's one of the big reasons that the Islanders had a lot more power play chances in the first two hockey games than the Panthers did. Well, in Game 3, the opposite was happening. The Panthers dictated the pace. They had five power play opportunities in this game and only allowed three for the Islanders. And at the end of the day, you look at the Panthers' goals. Two of the three Florida goals came with the man advantage. And, you know, a lot of these penalties that the Islanders took were just not smart penalties. And look, there are, you know, contrary to what a lot of people will say, there are quote-unquote, good penalties to take. You know, you haul down a guy who uh, is going in on a breakaway, that's a good penalty to take because it's an almost certain goal. You know, you, you, you move a guy who is screening your goalie or interfering with your goalie, you move him out of the crease, again, that's a good penalty. But 
when Simeon Varlamov takes a two-minute penalty for playing the puck outside the trapezoid area, or if the Islanders get a delay of game penalty, or take a penalty in the offensive zone, these are the situations that hurt your hockey team, and we saw some of that in this game, and the Panthers, look, when you're the Islanders, and you're the better defensive team in the series, you don't want to set up the Panthers, with who have more dangerous goal scorers up and down their lineup than the Islanders do, and give them multiple situations where those dangerous players have more room to maneuver, and that's exactly what the Islanders did in Game 3. The Panthers were able to take advantage of that, scored two power play goals, and that was the difference in the hockey game, and that's why the Islanders ended up falling in this one by a final score of 3-2. to All right, we've got a lot more to talk about with regards to this game, and we'll start thinking ahead to Game 4. Lots more to discuss right here on today's Locked On Islanders podcast. If you need to get new parts for your car, head to rockauto.com. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and for do-it-yourselfers, but rockauto.com's prices are the same for everyone, and they are reliably low. rockauto.com always offers the lowest prices possible, rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. rockauto.com is for everyone, there is no membership requirement and no account logon. And it's a family business that has been serving auto parts customers online now for 20 years. You can head to rockauto.com right now and shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of different manufacturers. It's unique and remarkably easy to navigate their online catalog. And you'll quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. They have everything from engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even a new carpet for your car or your truck. Head to rockauto.com right now and see it all right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, a couple of more things to talk about with regard to this game. First of all, some positives that I'd like to take away. Uh, Jean-Gabriel Pajot, again, uh, with a goal in this contest, and that was very encouraging to see, and the Islanders certainly needed that. Pajot, a plus one, and, you know, we talked before the series started about how important Pajot was going to be to the Islanders, especially uh, providing some offense for that third line, which has struggled all season long. And so far through three games, Pajot got the job done. The other goal, as we know, scored by Brock Nelson. And again, Nelson, they needed that. They needed that second line to come up big. Here's a question, though, uh, that has me concerned. Through three games of this series, we have not seen a lot of offensive production from Matthew Barzal, and I would venture to say, Islander fans, it is time. You know, in order to win in the playoffs, in order to make a deep playoff run, the cliche is you need your best players to be your best players, and at the end of the day right now, 
you know, Jordan Eberle had that two-goal performance in Game 2 that helped the Islander come back, but Matthew Barzal needs to do a little bit more. He had only two shots in this game, was not a big factor overall offensively, and that is something the Islanders desperately need from Barzal in order for them to be more productive And look, the Islanders are a team that have struggled all season long to score goals. If you don't have your best players contributing offensively, you're going to struggle even more. So Lee, Barzal, and Eberle needed to do a little bit more in this game, but Barzal in particular needs to be a bigger part of the Islanders' offense. And, you know, Eberle and Bouvillier tied for the team lead with four shots on goal. They need more overall from Barzal offensively. Scott Mayfield leading the way with five blocked shots. Again, the Islanders showing their willingness to sacrifice their body and and to, to make stops. Another area, though, that I think they really, two areas that they definitely needed to work on. Number one, they were often sloppy getting the puck out of their own zone. There were times when they struggled to do it, and, you know, that pass, ideally, there's two things you got to do. You got to clear the zone, number one, and then you want to make that pass that allows for a successful transition from defense to offense so that you keep possession of the puck and set up a scoring chance at the other end of the ice. The Islanders struggled to clear their own zone, and a lot of the time when they did, that transition wasn't there. It wasn't smooth. It wasn't working the way that it was so successfully in game one. At the end of the day, when you combine foolish penalties and a little bit of a struggle to clear the puck out of your own zone, you're setting yourself up for some dangerous scoring opportunities. We talked about the three goals that Florida scored. Two of them were on the power play. The third goal was scored by Boyle. And look, Boyle's goal was off a turnover. And it was Devon Taze who coughed the puck up. And Taze has had a pretty good series overall. But he coughed the puck up pretty close to the Islanders' goal. Boyle was, what, three, four feet away from the net when he was able to be all alone and have a great scoring opportunity. Can't fault Varlamov on that. But at the end of the day... You can't make turnovers like that. Look, especially this, and and this is one of the problems that the Islanders had all season. When you're only scoring two and a half goals a game, you don't have a lot of margin for error, and you need your goalie to pick you up when you make a mistake like that a lot of the time, because if you make you know two or three mistakes and you're only scoring two goals a, a game, it's hard to win. when, you know, you're giving up three goals and you're only scoring two and a half most nights. So not a lot of margin for error and, you know, little sloppy things like those giveaways, dumb penalties, failures to clear the zone, that added up and really ended up costing the Islanders a chance at sweeping the series and putting things away. The other area that I wanted to talk about, and this has been, again, a problem for the Islanders uh, more or less throughout the last two games, 
the Islanders have not gotten the job done in the face-off circle. And they need to do better in the face-off circle overall to win. The Islanders only won 45, almost 46% of the face-offs. And especially, again, in the defensive zone, you don't want other teams to have a chance to score. You win most of those draws in your own zone. You've got an opportunity to clear the puck and prevent the other team from scoring. And look, Barzal and Brassard did pretty well in the face-off circle, but at the end of the day, they just did not, as a team, get the job done. Even Jean-Gabriel Pajot, who was usually very good in the face-off circle, only won 45%. Brock Nelson only won 37 38% of his draws. At the end of the day, these are the little things that in a playoff series add up and make the difference between winning 3-2 and losing 3-2. Look, these games right now, Game 1 and Game 3 were one-goal games. Game 2 was a two-goal game, but it was a comeback win for the Islanders. None of these games are going to be easy. These are two fairly evenly matched teams, and if the Islanders don't turn around and do the little things right, they're going to be in big trouble. All right, we're going to start talking about Game 4, what the Islanders need to do differently in Game 4, if they're going to close out this series. We have that and a lot more still to come on the Locked On Islanders podcast. All right, so let's uh, let's talk a little bit about Game 4 coming up Friday. We still do not know what time the game is scheduled for, but we'll let you know as soon as we do. Islanders, I, I think they're going to stick with Varlamov here in Game 4. He's played well enough through the first three games to establish that he is likely going to carry this team until he falters. So, uh, as far as that's concerned, I expect Varlamov, with an off day today, uh, Thursday, that gives Johnny Boychuk a bit of a longer opportunity to try to... Uh, get back healthy and be ready to play and return to the lineup. Whether or not he is able to do that remains to be seen, but uh, we'll keep an eye on his status as well. Uh, The Panthers, as I expected, did take Matheson out of the lineup. He just committed too many bad penalties, and Joel Quenville had seen enough. And that is, I guess... You know, not a surprise when you have a good coach in a short series and you're already down two to nothing. There is no margin for error with regard to, you know, keeping a player who's that big of a liability in the lineup for the Florida Panthers. The other problem I think that the Islanders have, and we talked about this after all three of the first three games. Sergei Bobrovsky is playing very, very well for Florida. And the Islanders had some chances. They had a couple of stretches where they had the puck in the Florida zone for a minute, a minute and a half, once almost two minutes. And they hit a couple of crossbars. And and Bobrovsky also made some very big and important saves in the game. So... Bobrovsky playing well is one of the reasons the Panthers are still alive. 
and it is a factor that the Islanders have to be aware of. The other thing we saw, especially in Game 3, was Barry Trotz mixing and matching his lines, and I think we will see more of that until the Islanders provide more consistent offense without sacrificing, you know, the defense that obviously Trotz counts on so much for this Islanders team to be a success. So I would not be shocked, you know, for example, in game two, Matt Martin was on a line with Tom Kunackle at the time that Martin scored his goal. That is a mix and match of players from the third line and players from the fourth line. I think we'll see more mixing and matching of certain lines until the Islanders find a way to consistently produce a little bit more on the offensive side. Uh, But I, I also believe that the Islanders will need to just play better hockey, not necessarily in a spectacular way, but they're going to need to do those little things that make the difference between winning and losing. And in the playoffs, let's let's look at this from a larger perspective. And the Islanders are by no means done with the Florida Panthers because, again, all these games have been close. The Panthers win Friday, and you know it's a it's a one game winner take all situation that will already be set up. We don't want that. But the 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 point is that doing those little things right, showing discipline, being a well-coached hockey team is vital to the Islanders' success, and they are going to need to do more of that in Game 4. Now, the Panthers will once again have home ice advantage in Game 4. And again, no fans in the stands, but that last change really does mean something And the Islanders want to make sure that they are not taken advantage of with these matchups. And it'll be up to Barry Trotz to try to make the line changes he wants to make and avoid certain matchups that he wants to avoid. Um, The other thing is this, and let's face it, very important. Stay out of the box is one thing. The penalty kill has got to be better. Cannot cannot give up two goals in five chances. You cannot allow Florida to be 40% on the power play. It will kill you every time if you're in that situation. And the Islanders, it, it, it literally was the difference in the game. You take out the two power play goals, Islanders win two to one. And no, I know it's not that simple. Everything is different situationally and what have you, but it really was an important factor in Game 3. So, Game 4 coming up Friday, an off day to catch your breath, get your stamina, hopefully get Johnny Boychuk healthy, and the Islanders and the Panthers will be right back at it. Look, nobody said this was going to be easy. Nobody expected the Islanders to do anything easily. That is not the kind of team they are. But I will say this. If they continue to play the way they played in Game 3, they may still be good enough to eliminate the Florida Panthers when everything is all said and done. But they have to play better than this to go on a long playoff run.
They have to play the way they played in Game 1 and the latter stages of Game 2. They have to be disciplined. They have to be smart. They can't make those little mistakes because there is not a big talent difference between all of these teams right now. All right, that is going to do it for us on today's Locked On Islanders podcast. Sorry that uh, yesterday's podcast was posted so late because of the power outages that I'm experiencing here. Uh, Had some difficulty getting that up, but it is up. If you want to listen to the analysis of Game 2 and the preview of Game 3, it is all up there for you. Now, please tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On NHL for a league-wide perspective on the National Hockey League and the playoffs and everything else. Stay safe, everybody. Enjoy all the hockey that's going on in August, as strange as that may seem. And of course, let's go Islanders.